This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the very niche and kind of geeky details of modern warfare with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to Christian Trebert. He's an investigative journalist with the New York Times, but is probably better known for his work with Bellingcat. Christian is going to be speaking to us about open source investigation work. He's going to explain to us how using simple tools available to everybody, such as Google Earth, he managed to work out how certain war crimes unfolded, how massacres happened. It's really interesting stuff. And Christian is definitely one of the very best people in this field. If you like what we're doing at Popular Front, please do consider supporting us on the Patreon. It's all grassroots. This is how we keep going. Go to patreon.com slash popularfront. What is the kind of work you do? Maybe you can explain it, you know, um, you know, geolocation, all of that stuff. You know, what is it you do? Because I think it's very unique. Um, basically, I am working in a, in, 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 you could say it's almost like a new field called open source investigation. And sometimes it's called OSINT or open source intelligence. Um, and it's basically just using any kind of, openly available information that you can find on the web, on the internet, um, and use it to answer a question. Um, and very often these questions are the basic questions of journalism. Who, what, where, and when. And not even that much the question of why, because when you start answering the question of why, there's a lot of interpretation, right? While open source investigation and OSINT really looks at these kind of factual things. Can we establish where something happened? Can we establish uh, 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 who was involved? And can we establish uh, when it happened? So that's like that's like kind of like the basics of it. But just to give you an example, let's say let's say you have a um, you have a video, right? You're looking at this viral video. Everybody's sharing it on Twitter or on Instagram or who knows on TikTok, right? I feel like I'm getting old because like I was already like Snapchat. I'm not sure whether I'm using that. May I I've never had Snapchat. I don't even really know what TikTok is. <laughs> like, you know, what I mean, I feel old as well, man. We're getting old, man. We're getting old. Yeah. Um, but um but 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 so many things are visual right nowadays. So so people are sharing these kind of videos and what very often happens is that the original uploader um, you know, like it gets lost. People are copying the video, they're re-uploading it, and they're making all kinds of new claims. So verification, like making sure that the footage you're seeing is actually showing what it purports to show, is becoming an increasingly important practice in, in media, but also for militaries, for anyone in government, basically for anyone looking at footage nowadays. So... The interesting thing is that you can actually use um, satellite imagery and all, all other kinds of stuff to verify that material. So think, think of like you have, um, we have, we have a process. For example, if, if you want to answer the question of where, where did something happen? Where was this video taken? Where was this photo taken? Um, we have this method called geolocation, which is basically using visual clues in the footage, in the photo or in the video, um, think of think of like 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 maybe maybe a number plate, maybe a tree, maybe uh, the street pattern, or maybe a big building in the background. Anything you can think of, anything in that video or in the photo that is kind of unique, and the combination especially, you will use that to determine the exact location where that photo was taken. So what we very often do is like you have the source material, you have that video or photo you're interested in. And you're looking for those visual clues, and then you start looking for reference material. Now, think of, for example, if you have a suspicion, maybe you see the Big Ben on the background, and you're like, hmm, this is probably in London, or maybe in China, where they like maybe build a copy of the Big Ben, who knows. But you're like, okay, this is the Big Ben, it's maybe in London, I can see a park in the front. Now, you start looking like, how far could it probably be from the Big Ben? Is there anywhere, maybe on Google Maps, where I can find that park? And then you start matching and, and trying to narrow down locations where it could be. And reference material can be then other photos that were taken from a similar location. And sometimes you don't have it. Because imagine if you're in, in somewhere in a small desert village in Dair Azor in, in, in Syria. I mean, you're not going to find uh, maybe a lot of photos of other people that have been there. So the only thing you will have 
is a satellite image from Google Maps or from Bing Maps, right? Microsoft Bing. Nobody uses Microsoft Bing, but um, for satellite imagery, it's actually pretty good. Um, and um, you're trying to match those details until you verify the location. And this is something we call geolocation. So, that, so that's one of the methods. And in a, in a very similar fashion, you have something called um, chronolocation. So when once you have answer the question of where something happened or where a photo or video was taken, you can move on to the next question because once you know where it is, you can try to figure out when it was. So this is a process we call chronolocation. So based on a location, you're gonna try to narrow down the time frame it could have been taken. So think of big things. Maybe maybe like maybe is it, is it raining or maybe well that's not necessarily a good example, but maybe are there leaves on the tree or is it winter? Um, does the location have seasons at all? Um, so then you start narrowing it down and maybe there is there is there construction going on? Is there a building that wasn't there in 2017 but was built in 2019? All these kinds of questions until you narrow it so much down that you can confidently say a time period in which the photo was taken. So these are just two of the methods um, that are involved. But it all comes back to the verification of material and then the next step further investigation. So the sheer quantity of publicly accessible or what we say open source information um, and uh, investigating this information to answer questions, it's not only something that happens in journalism. Obviously, it's something closely tied with, for example, military intelligence, but also human rights advocacy. And driven by this huge expansion of the internet and the widespread use of, of, of new communication technologies like, like smartphones and um, social media, this unprecedented amount of, of information that we have right now is, is only continuing to grow. Like it's hard to even even understand how much information being put online. Um, and this is obviously influencing all those fields, including journalism and including research. So let me give you the example of satellite imagery. I would say the amount of satellite imagery that is available nowadays is revolutionary in a way. Because let's say 20 years ago, or maybe even less, um, satellite imagery was something for intelligence agencies, right? For militaries, United States spying on North Korea and the other way around, perhaps. You know, nowadays, anyone with an internet connection can go online and basically spy on any kind of military in the world uh, from, 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 from your couch. So... That's, that's, if you think about it, that's bizarre. And that's a very rapid development. So I know that you've basically uncovered war crimes um, using these methods, right? I mean, you found the exact spot where ISIS beheaded certain people and committed these massacres. Maybe you can give us an example of some of the stuff you've done. Yeah, yeah, of course. And let me, let me first of all stress that, that one of the great things is, like, you can do this alone, right? You, the only thing you need is internet connection and a laptop, right? That's the great thing. And everybody else can also fact check your findings. So if I make a claim on Twitter, people don't need to believe me. I mean, let me give you an example. Like even yesterday, um, someone um, who, runs a, who runs a blog about Syria and is, let's say, um, very critical of, of media coverage of Syria. Well, we, we all know this kind of like niche corner of the internet, which, which is becoming more mainstream. Um, but if they make a claim about an investigation I did or something, and they're right, I mean, that's, that's the whole point. Like, we need to fact check each other. Even we may not agree with each other polit politically or whatever, you know. Like, it doesn't matter. It's about the facts. And if they have a fair point to make, I surely will look into it. So that's, that's a great thing. That's, that's definitely something that um, I feel with Bellingcat. Like, there are certain parts of Bellingcat, you know, I don't particularly agree with. Like, not, not like strongly, but, you know, it's just like, ah, that's not my thing. But it, with Bellingcat, it's like you can always check the facts. You know, you get some idiot is like, Bellingcat is this NATO shill or whatever. It's like, okay, fine. But you can literally see the workings out. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, if you think it's wrong, go and look at it. It's right there, you know, which I think is great. Yeah, and, 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 and so there, there's the, that, that's one thing. And the other thing is like, even though you can do this alone, it's very often a collaborative and team effort. So I'll be talking, I can, I will probably mention several examples and discuss several examples. And very often, this is a team effort, right? It's Bellingcat or it's like 
this 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 community on Twitter of people that are collaborating with each other, which is just really really great to see. Like uh, so many people over the years, I've seen, including myself, that have just randomly joined investigations and end up in the credits of the BBC or. Um, are working with the times or you know like this this is a really great thing anybody can do this you just need to be curious and you need to be willing to investigate and and willing to spend some time on it but then really like like if you have that then 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 i mean we can conduct great investigations so having said that um let me give you an example um one uh case we worked on uh, was in libya with bellingcat and we were looking at this um, guy called Mahmoud Verfali. So for people that are following Libya, it's still complicated. The, the situation in Libya is complicated. But roughly you could say you have two different um, opposing governments in Libya. So on the one hand, you have the internationally recognized Tripoli government in uh, mostly the western part of the country. And in the east, you have the, um, the uh, forces led by General uh, Hifter. Now, he has, he has a combined group of forces called the Libyan National Army, and they have a kind of special brigade called the Saika Brigade, um, which uh, was involved fighting uh, in Benghazi, in the, in the east of Libya, against the, an, an umbrella group of, of, of um, um, jihadist organizations. Now, he captured several of those jihadist militants he said he claimed them to be those fighters and what his group did was just doing a summary execution so they all lined them up uh, and executed them now this guy is wanted by both the international criminal court in the hague as well as by interpol for war crimes um so the interesting thing is this guy as we speak he's still walking around freely in libya but the thing is his group and the people around him were sharing footage of those executions. And this footage became kind of like the, um, the main structure of the arrest warrant for him. So they're like, okay, there's seven incidents, um, either where Fali is giving the command or is executing people. And what we did is taking that evidence, because you have to imagine this is the first time ever we see an international legal case in 2017 that social media evidence, videos on YouTube and Facebook are being used as evidence. That's big. That's uh. really big. Because if this can be used, if this can stand in a trial, I mean, think of places like Gaza, Myanmar, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Somalia, you name it. There is so much, so many of today's modern day conflicts are being captured on camera. If that evidence can be used in a trial to hold people to account, that's massive. So this is a very interesting case. So what we thought is like, okay, let's try, if we can, what I just explained, geolocate and chronolocate the evidence. Because you can imagine, like, with social media, people will say, well, how can we know it's real? How can we know it happened there? How can we know it happened then? So what we did is our usual practices, like we take the video and we start looking for the visual clues. Um, but you have to imagine, this is a video, it's very hard to see, it's an open field, it's kind of like a dry, deserty field, there are some buildings in the background, so there's very little information. So, we start narrowing it down, we're like, okay, this, this is probably in Libya, sure, we could say this maybe has been filmed in Mexico, it could have been in Mexico, but we're like, okay, the guy, they're speaking Arabic, the guy lives in Libya, this is probably, he fights in Libya, this is probably in Libya. We also know that he's engaged in fighting in Benghazi. So that's why you start looking. So we have like, okay, we have an open field. We have some buildings distantly in the background. Uh, we see some kind of wall or fence. And we can see like um, tracks of a vehicle in the sand. So slowly but surely, we're just starting. I mean, and this is this is the why I say it's a team effort. Lots of people, we start looking at satellite imagery of Benghazi, the city, and around Benghazi. Just looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. And it's hard because so many things look like it. It's just an open field with some buildings on the background. Um, so then we're like, okay, let's find, try to find some reference footage. Can we find photos or videos of similar areas in Benghazi? So you just start looking and looking. And after a while, we find this area called the Chinese building area. I mean, what it looks similar, but we're like, what is this? If you type Chinese building area into Google Maps or Google Earth, you're not going to find 
anything. <laughs> yeah, it's very nondescript. Yeah, it's, it's in, indeed. And I mean, we probably wouldn't call it the Chinese building area, but locals would call it that way because it's probably like Chinese companies constructing these buildings and they were unfinished. So there is this great service called Wikimapia, which is basically, as the name indicates, a Wikipedia for um, maps. And it's fantastic because whereas Google Maps will take like official names for things, Wikimapia allows users to tag locations, buildings, areas, neighborhoods, you name it. Users can tag it just like on Wikipedia. So if you type in the Chinese building area in Wikimapia, ta-da, there is actually an area in Benghazi in the city of interest that's called the Chinese building area. So then suddenly we have a location of interest. We can narrow it down. And eventually we found a spot um, that looked very, very uh, similar. So we're like, okay, this could be it. But then again, like, can we be really sure? So what we then do is like, we take the exact location and we look at the uploading date to Facebook of this video. And we're like, okay, this happened somewhere in mid-2017. Uh, um, can we find satellite imagery of around that date? And we did. We were able to find from right before and right after. And here is the macabre thing. We zoom in and we can even match. That's how high-resolution satellite imagery is nowadays. We could even match patches of grass directly, one-to-one, with, um, with uh, the satellite image. And that's not all. If we, went from, if we went through time, basically we're shifting through time, through historical satellite imagery, we would see black spots appearing. So there are like a group of 20 people that are being executed and we could count the exact number of black spots on that desert area, which suggested the, these may have been the blood stains of the people that were executed that were captured by a satellite. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, um, that's an example of, of how it can be used. But it, it was for us also really intense. It's insane. Like when you see the videos, I know which video you mean. To me, you know, I just, oh, there's no way. <laughs> it's impossible. You never find out where that is. But there you go, like wiki map here and that, yeah. Um, so how did you get started in all this? Because, you know, I, you're a journalist, but you, you've obviously taken this very different route and become extremely successful with it. How did you get into this? Because, you know, now everyone does it, but it wasn't always like that. When I first ever started talking to you, to be honest, I knew very few people that did it other than yourself. Few people that did it other than yourself. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm happy that you ask about it because indeed, like, I am still like, oh, whoa, I, I, I work for the New York Times now, right? Big shot over here. No, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I can't believe it. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, you know, like, I'm just doing what I like. Um, and I consider myself really lucky and really privileged to have had people that, 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 that trust what I'm doing and give me the trust to do what I'm doing. And, and I think that's really important. So, I mean... I think a few years ago, I applied for a newspaper somewhere in Europe and they're like, hmm, Christian, what, are, what you are doing is so detailed. That's not of interest for a newspaper. Maybe you should think of working for a think tank. So these were like really experienced journalists telling me that. And I was like, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was like, I was really like, I mean, kind of like, oh shit, you know, like, okay, maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. They know. So maybe I should not pursue a career in journalism. Um, so I'm really happy that, that I'm here now. And also, I don't have any hard feelings towards those people because they were right. Like, it's for newspaper. Like, it was very strange to do this kind of very detailed stuff. But it's becoming more and more important. Anyway, let, let me go back to your question. Like, how did I start it? Well, I, I am, I am uh, I'm really happy to talk to you, uh, Jake, because when I was a... Uh, so I, when I was in high school, I started, like, hitchhiking with my friends... You know, we didn't have a lot of money, but we wanted to travel. And the great thing is, I know you're in the UK. The great thing is about the European Union, <clears throat> I'm Dutch, um, is that we can travel <laughs> and you can still now, but you can travel around freely in Europe. So we were like in high school and me and my friend were like, we're in geography class and we're like, not geography, but yeah, geography. And, and we're looking at those maps and we're like, we want to go there. We want to go to like Croatia. We want to go to Poland. We want to go to Romania. And we started traveling and we had, a, we had a train ticket and after a while this train ticket was not valid anymore so we started hitchhiking and this was so much fun. So a year later we went to Iran and Iraq and I was still like I was in between high school and university so it was a great experience and I was like I really want to do more with this because I figured like um, 
anywhere we would be going, it's like, wow. I mean, like, it just depends on where in the world you're born. And um, that's how life takes you, right? And that I'm born in the Netherlands and I'm very privileged position. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I want to I wanna know more about Iran. I only see it on the news. And what are my age peers doing in the country, right? So this got a great interest. And I was always a bit like, maybe I should go into diplomacy or maybe I should go into journalism. But I got into writing and I was a lot already in photography. And I kind of had this idea of, I may want to go into like conflict journalism. Um, so I started studying international relations uh, at the University of Groningen in the Netherlands. And I really, really liked it. Like I, at high school, I was never like a really good student. Um, but now at university, I was like, whoa, I'm really studying something I really like and I'm really into. And I just lost myself in certain topics, right? Because I could investigate things. I could write reports about it. And I loved it. So I also joined like the student newspaper. And they were pretty professional and pretty cool to that extent that I could even go to Ukraine in 2014 doing Euromaidan and cover um, it for the student newspaper in the Netherlands, which was great because I could, I, could, I could write about it and so on. So I kind of started building on it. I had contacts in Iraq. I had contacts in Syria. I did some report. I tried to do some reporting in Syria, uh, published in a student magazine. Uh, I went to Iraq in 2015 um, to be embed with the PUK Peshmerga, so one of the Kurdish uh, Iraqi forces. And I really, I really liked doing that. I learned a lot and they took me to the front line. I wrote about it. But I have to be honest with you, Jake. I was thinking by myself, it was hard, first of all, to sell the story and my photos. Um, because there were so many Western journalists in Iraq covering the fight against Islamic State. And basically everyone um, and their mother was embedded with the Peshmerga. So... I was thinking, like, why, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I really want to do this myself? Because this is some kind of dream for me, like a dream job? Or, and that's, that's fine, but I am not, am I actually adding anything of value to the work that's already out there? Because if you Google Peshmerga and Iraq, there are so many stories out there. What am I adding? Like, is this just some ego trip to do this and I'm just doing this and like publishing a piece in a Dutch newspaper and like a few people read it. But if they Google it, they can read it in a different newspaper and it's kind of the same story. And I'm like, there are better writers out there than me. Right. And you, I've had it as well. Like, and you, you kind of think, I think you either go like, okay, fuck it, I'm not doing this. Or you do what well, I'm presuming you did. It's what I did. You go like, right. I need to find a different angle here. I need to make the time here worth it, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly that. And I was like, I really want to do this, but I, I shouldn't be just doing this because I want to do it. I also want to add value to things. And that's how I got involved with um, uh, satellite image and geolocation. So I was really looking up and having um, people like yourself, like you, Jake, uh, Simon Ostrowski, uh, uh, Aris, Rusinos, right? Uh, Danny Gold, like I was watching that like as a student and I was like, whoa, that's crazy, man. I really like that stuff. But I was also like, it's really hard for me to, to be at a position to ever be able to do that and actually get paid for it. And I was like, okay, I was also fascinated by this guy called Brown Moses, uh, which is now Elliot Higgins. But at the time was it Brown Moses? And I was so fascinated by it. Like this guy is using like satellite imagery and social media to prove like, uh, uh, all these kind of like arm, arms trafficking that's going on towards Syria. And I, I loved it. And I was like, you know what? There are so many. I saw like in the distance in Iraq, like you, you, you hear like the aircraft coming over and there's airstrike in the distance. And like I could find out more online. Can you imagine? You're at the front line in Iraq and in the distance there is some kind of coalition airstrike against an alleged Islamic State target. And you're there. I mean, you're not there at the actual uh, airstrike location because it's Islamic State held territory, but you don't know anything about it. And you go online and you start using satellite imagery and you start using Islamic State propaganda and you can figure out exactly where it was, when it happened, what may have been targeted. And I was like, wow, this is fascinating. So what I started doing is just investigating airstrikes in Iraq and Syria. And... I, I was like, I don't know what to do with it, but it's interesting probably for someone. And I just started tweeting about it. 
Like, hey, this airstrike happened here. It's probably like uh, 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 the, the Royal Air Force that conducted this airstrike. And I can match this detail with the video of the MOD, blah, blah, blah. And I was just tweeting it and it was being picked up. Uh, Elliot Higgins, so Bram Moses, he was like, this is really interesting. Chris Woods, uh, uh, who runs Air Wars, was like, this is really interesting. Uh, we should say as well, Brown Moses. Brown Moses was like Elliot's first ever kind of blog, right? I, I first ever came across Elliot when he was using something awful, the forum, and then he started. Brown Moses was his first kind of blog spot, right? Like the precursor for Bellingcat. Yeah, absolutely. So he's. I think he was indeed a lot on the something awful forum, and then uh, the Brown Moses blog, which eventually turned into Bellingcat in 2014. Um, so yeah, I, I, I had been following that and I was just like fascinated by it. And when I started doing it myself, I realized a medium like Twitter is amazing because you are directly in contact with people that are doing the same stuff and for which it may be useful. My analysis and my geolocation may be useful for others. So that's how I got into it. And, um, I got a message from a guy called Nathan Patton. He's a Bellingcat contributor. And he was like, hey, do you want to write for Bellingcat? It was in 2015. And I'm like, wow, I'd love to. So that was uh, late 2015. And ever since that day until uh, March this year, um, so that's, that's basically four years, I have been day in, day out doing uh, Bellingcat stuff, just looking at anything, really. Um, so I was still a student at the time. I was, uh, I was, I just started my, uh, masters in, um, in, uh, in London, King's College London at the Wall Studies department. And I was just like, wow, this is being useful for someone. I like doing it and I, I, I can contribute to something. And, uh, so the airstrike stuff in the Middle East was really, really like the, the first big project that I, uh, that I started doing. Well, what do you, what do you think is your biggest achievement from all your time at Bellingcat? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I, 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 I honestly don't know. I, I think, I think personally, like besides the investigations, a very big part of what I was doing was conducting trainings for Bellingcat. So Bellingcat has kind of, uh, developed like this curriculum of like five day, five day workshops to learn others, this stuff. And the really great thing was that we would organize those workshops and still do. Bellingcat still does these workshops in the Western world. So in, in the UK and in the Netherlands and in the United States for, for a lot of money. I think like two and a half thousand dollars for a week per person. But then again, we would also organize those workshops in Colombia, in Iraq, in Armenia, um, in Georgia for free. So we would, uh, people could apply and we would select a group of journalists and activists and we would work with them for a week. And honestly, that was so fantastic to do, Jake, because you had people there that, that have so much knowledge, right? I mean, they will have more knowledge than we will ever do about the conflicts we're covering. Of course, you mean locals, right? Yeah, and, 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 and you're able to investigate with them certain cases. And you are able to investigate cases that um, international media may not be interested in covering because they're so small and so local, but so interesting and so important. So these things really, I think, were one of the, yeah, the, one, of the, one of the really good things I was really happy to contribute to um, with Bellingcat. It's spreading, it's spreading the gospel of open source investigation. It's spreading the gospel of using Google Maps as an investigative tool. Yeah, it's incredible, man. Um, so say someone came to you now, you know, and said, right, I want to do what you do. I want to learn open source investigation what would be the first steps that someone would have to take, would you say? We get this, and I get this question a lot. And my, my, my advice is as following. Find something you're interested in. It doesn't matter what. It can be anything. But find something you're interested in and just start looking at it. Start trying, even if you think it's not of great importance to geolocate it or to chronolocate it. It doesn't matter, but start looking into it. Start asking, let's say you're interested in, in the current protests that are going on in Hong Kong, right? The eye of the world is on Hong Kong. There's a lot of footage coming out. Let's say you're interested in that and you're like, hey, can I verify that the People Liberations Army of China is indeed sending um, reinforcements towards uh, uh, the border with Hong Kong, with mainland between Hong Kong and mainland? That's the first question you can ask. And while you're doing that, you're learning yourself on the go a lot of extra 
um, skills because first of all, you will need to find the footage. Secondly, you probably want to find more footage. You will need to verify it by using satellite imagery. You will need to chronolocate it by using shadows. You'll need to find um, other information. Are these troops not going to maybe a training mission close to Hong Kong? What is the relation? And I think it's really about that. You should not wait for someone to tell you, investigate this. No, you should find something you are interested in yourself and just start doing it. I have seen people like uh, on Twitter, he's a guy, a guy called using the name John Markey, who just out of nothing started looking at Sudan and has been helping, um, uh, has been helping the BBC with investigations because he was just on Twitter verifying stuff. And you will learn things on the go. So find something you're interested in and just start doing it. And if you think, hey, I found something, I think it's a dual location, um, tweet it out. Tag someone. If it's sensitive, DM someone on Twitter. Twitter is really open and the community is still small. And you will see people like that John Markey, like Sector035, a Dutch guy on Twitter, that literally have completely different jobs but are just like doing this because they find it interesting and suddenly are helping the biggest newspapers or think tanks or human rights organizations in really important investigations. Um, so that's, that's, that's my main advice. And if you want to want to start a bit like sit on on with the fun things like you're like okay Hong Kong okay it's, it's really intense it's true if you want to start it in a more fun way there has been a German journalist called Julia Bayer that has started a really really nice account on Twitter called at QuizTime um, and every single day um, reporters including myself are posting a quiz and this quiz is entirely about open source investigation and verification. So it's a lot of fun. You will have a photo outside of a car, you have a video, and it's just a question associated with it. Like, hey, where was this? Or what am I doing here? Or who is this person pictured here? And the fun thing is you can do start doing this alone, or as I mentioned earlier, make a collaborative effort because a lot of other people on Twitter are trying to solve this fun quiz as well. It's a really great way to, to start doing this stuff and, 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 and teach yourself those skills. And if you're like, hey, this is fun, there's also a more serious account, which with the exact same principle, like almost daily there are, maybe not daily, but every week there are different questions that are serious. And it's called at open source leads and it's run by the Bellingcat team. And it's basically investigative leads. Think of Epstein. Is this video of Epstein real? Um, right, Epstein is the guy uh, in, in, in the US that is... Uh, yeah, the, the, the lord of the elitist pedophiles that suicided himself recently right and 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 basically the whole united states is 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 is, is, is the audience is unified in that yeah this is like fishy that he committed uh, yeah. allegedly committed suicide now all these kind of things open source leads puts out and it's like hey what can you find about this so these are all options to start doing this um yeah so, so as you can see i'm really enthusiastic about it because i myself started doing it like that and i can just see how the community is growing and it's tackling problems all around the world. And it's, it's sure, you cannot always solve everything. But I think this collaborative effort and teamwork and more people start doing this, it's just really, really important for um, the um, world we live in nowadays with more and more footage coming out, with more claims, right? The era of fake news, of, of the post-truth era. Well, we need this kind of stuff. No, absolutely, I agree. And to be honest, part of what pushed me to start Popular Front was looking at your work and looking at the weird kind of, you know, like I say weirdos in a good way, like kind of weird people just latching onto this stuff and being like, yeah, in my spare time, I do like, I put 500 hours into discovering this guy fighting on this front line because, you know, and using Google Maps and all of that stuff. Like them kind of people, like I think of the future of journalism, you know, they really excite me as well. So... I, another thing as well, I was going to ask, what um, tools do you think people should use? You know, there's there's a few tools I've seen in the Bellingcat toolkit and stuff. You know, is there any easily kind of downloadable things, perhaps the staples that it's like, if you want to do open source research, you need this, this and this. Right. Um, it's a good question, but it's also a really hard one to answer because it really mm. depends on the question you're looking at, right? Like sure. for some open source, we're talking now, of course, a lot about satellite imagery and geolocation. But for some investigations, you won't even need that. So um, it really depends on what you're looking at. So I would say, 
yeah, the only the only tool you need is 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 an internet connect. It's a browser to the internet, and that's where it starts. And it can be as wide or as narrow as you want. Um, there are some things that 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 depending on 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 what you're looking at that you may want to install. Like there there. Like I know there's like people like Firefox uh, over Chrome for privacy issues, but the Chrome browser has a lot of great add-ons for for open source investigation. For example, um, there's the Invit plugin. So that's I-N-V-I-D. And it allows you to right-click on any image you see online and search it, reverse image search it, with, for example, Google or Yandex or Bing. And Yandex is kind of the Russian Google, and Bing oh. is a search engine from Microsoft. And what we very often do is when we want to look for something on the internet, we type it in, right? We, we, we use text. But the great thing is, and a lot of people don't even know it, is that you can use imagery as well to look for things. So you can sometimes just say like, hey, I want to I find an image that just looks, uh, that looks just like this one. And that works really, really well. And that's called reverse image search. And the fascinating thing is, is that, Jake, if I would, let's say, hey, Jake, open your uh, Skype um, video now and I take a screenshot of your face, it's live, right? That image has never been published online because it's live. It's, it's right now. And I would put it into a reverse image search on Yandex. So Yandex is uh, uh, that Russian equivalent of Google, you could say. It will probably tell me this is Jake Hanrahan. Which is insane. It's scary, man. It's scary. It's scary. And I mean, Russian football hooligans have been identified like that. But even others, like, this is insane. Even uh, a Russian military intelligence officer has been identified on a dating website like that. Can you imagine? This is insane, man. This is like, this is like Black Mirror style um, stuff. Because this literally takes a few seconds to do it. So you can use it for any kind of purposes. And I would say like this is a this this invit tool just allows you to do it. Right click on the image, search by Google, search by Yandex, search by Bing, and um, there you go. So that, that's a good tool to start with. Just install it and, and, and use it on your family's photos. Like you have your cousin or whatever posting this nice picture on photo uh, on Instagram or Facebook, like I'm on holiday, I took this picture, and like mm, my cousin doesn't take such a nice picture as this one. And then you can just see where the original image is coming from, for example. That's that's another thing that I found really interesting that you you guys have done, and and certainly I know Simon Ostrowski did it with his um, selfie soldiers documentary, where you basically trawl like social medias of soldiers and stuff, and you can just find out that like actually they were here. You know, I think there's some of that. I've been listening to the Bellingcat podcast about MH17, and I think some of that is you know guys are basically snitched on themselves by accident. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, but you have to imagine, we, we look at Russian soldiers doing that and we're like, oh, yeah, look at them, right? Oh, they're so silly. Oh, what's stupid that you put that stuff information online? Everyone does it. Though. Exactly. Everyone does it. Like another, another guy from Twitter that, 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 that made a name for himself just doing this kind of stuff, Nathan Russe. Oh, he's great, man. He's yeah. fantastic. And he was the one um, connecting Strava, which is like this, 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 this app that, that logs where you do workouts, um, to mostly Western military activity all around the world. Because I really has it that the Pentagon itself distributed Fitbits, which were um, linked to the Strava app, and soldiers on deployment would lock where they're doing like uh, 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 um, how do you call this in English like like a, a military um, they, 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 they make a round for example in Syria a patrol they would go on a patrol and they log it publicly on the website can you imagine like it's insane but it's out there could you imagine if like ISIS worked that out before Nathan <laughs> you know what I mean it's it'd be terrifying it's it is terrifying and 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 no absolutely right it's 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 a very interesting and all of us do it right we're all like whoa strava so much data imagine if and it's not obviously and it won't be but imagine there would be a breach of google maps data how many people are using google maps to go from their home to another location and we we are all doing it and we're all giving it to commercial companies and it's something interesting to think about. I'm not saying like, oh, be completely scared because sometimes you use it. But 
it's very interesting to see how it's being used. And Strava is just one example. Selfie Soldiers is another example. But all that kind of stuff, it's, 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 we can use it for, we can debate what is good and what is bad. And we're talking now how Bellingcat is using it, how the New York Times is using it, how anyone on Twitter is using it. But in the very same fashion, um, designated terrorist organizations are using it. Let me tell you a fun example, Jake. Like, um, so, so here's the thing. Google Maps is great, right? Google Earth is great. But for some reason, we don't need to go into details, but for some reason, and, 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 and there's a lot of suspicion why, or not suspicion, but a lot of, you, you can imagine why Google Maps is not updating imagery from Afghanistan, um, Iraq, and um, the Palestinian territories. Right, because it will help people that they consider an enemy, or at least the, the people they're in bed with will consider an enemy. And gi- given, that, given that the Google Maps servers are in the United States, right? So, I mean, this is interesting. But here's the thing. Microsoft, for some reason, does update their imagery from Afghanistan and Iraq. No way. Bing does. So, you remember, like, I, I think, like, this is some niche thing, that that popular front listeners are, are 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 interested in, right? You have this whole. You talked about it with Nick Waters, and yeah, we and love a great episode shit. about about drone warfare, right? And at a certain stage, you had the so-called Islamic State conducting all these kind of drone bomb runs in Mosul and other parts of of Iraq and Syria. And and I was looking at this um, propaganda video, and 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 you know what? Like obviously, if you start conducting a drone operation as a non-state armed group, as a terrorist organization. I mean, you need some kind of like situational awareness, right? Like you, you need to know where it's flying to. So if you're using Google Maps and you're flying over Mosul, you're in reality flying over a neighborhood that is not even mapped on Google Maps because Google Maps is not updated there. So what were they using? Microsoft Bing. So Islamic State was not using Google Maps for their uh, drone bombing runs. They were using Google, uh, sorry, they were using Bing because Bing was better for Mosul. So that's like the small kind of niche things that I'm like amazed by. Like, wow, Islamic State prefers Bing over Google because Bing has better satellite imagery of Mosul, you know? Thanks, Bill Gates. That is incredible, though. Like, that is so fascinating. Yeah, but it's all these kind of small things like Jais al-Islam. It's like an uh, opposition group. They used Google Earth in 2016 to measure distance from Mortis um, to target our, uh, to target uh, 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 positions of um, loyalists, loyalists to uh, Bashir al-Assad. They use Google Earth and they're just mapping it out. Simple. Just as we are doing it, armed groups are using it in the exact same way. Yeah, it's like when um, uh, in Syria, like a lot of people use maps.me because you can get the terrain offline, right? So it's like if the, if the internet goes out, which it can do around there, all your maps are available. You can still drive to your positions and what have you, you know, like everyone's at it. Exactly. Um Christian, what what are you doing at the New York Times now? Maybe you can explain the work you're doing. I know it's it's quite similar to what you were doing at Bellingcat, but you know it's it's certainly different in in respect to you know you're working for this big newspaper now. You know maybe you can tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's actually really exciting. So a few years ago, um, the New York Times started this team called uh, or a unit called the Visual Investigations Team or unit. Uh, so visual investigations and. Um, is basically a new form of explanatory and accountability journalism. That's, that's, I would say, really coming, coming from the niche, right? Coming from the niche corners of Twitter and the internet, Bellingcat, which is becoming more mainstream right now, um, is really being pioneered here at the Times to use that kind of investigative techniques for, for, for mass media, for, for, for traditional journalism. So we were basically combining traditional reporting um, with those more advanced digital forensic tools that we have been talking about. So it may include like collecting and analyzing uh, cell phone videos, satellite imagery, uh, social media posts, 3D reconstructions of crime scenes, you name it. And the funny thing is that we're now a team of uh, around six people and Almost no one of us has a background in traditional journalism. The team was started by an Irish guy. Maliki, right? Yeah, Maliki Brown. So he comes from Storyful. 
So Storyful is this uh, um, group that, um, that uh, verifies uh, social media and user-generated content. Um, we have Christoph Kuttel, who comes from Amnesty International. We have Haley Willis, who comes from uh, UC Berkeley. She is a um, sociologist and comes from um, the part of open source investigation that's being pioneered by, by academia and, and the legal side of things. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a very, we have Barbara Marcolini and we have um, Evan Hill and everybody comes from very different backgrounds. And um, what I would say is like what the difference is, like we do very similar stuff that I used to do at Bellingcat. So we're looking at all this open source information. We're trying to verify stuff. We're fact checking things. Um, and the great thing is just like with Bellingcat, we can take up any investigation we would like to. So whether it is an alleged chemical attack in Syria that we want to investigate or a gang killing in the Bronx in New York or even a marijuana bust in Staten Island, also in New York, where my colleague Barbara um, got her hands on footage, which seems to indicate that NYPD, so the New York police, it may be framing some guys they are um, uh, 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 they're apprehending, right? They're stopping the car and they may be planting marijuana oh, in yeah. the car, which is insane. Disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anything. It can be very local. We, we're doing all these kind of investigations. And we, the thing is, the difference with Bellingcat is that we still combine it with traditional reporting. So... Um, one of the, one of the um, to give you an example, one of the bigger investigations I did here at the Times is investigating a um, alleged U.S. airstrike on a house in Afghanistan that killed a whole family, only women and children. Um, the sole survivor was uh, the father of the family that was working abroad in Iran. And the U.S. denied at first... And after investigation, they, they admitted they conducted the airstrike, but they still denied the civilian casualties. But we would have liked to combine that reporting all from behind our laptops with simply going to the, to the site, to Afghanistan. And you have the possibilities here. And obviously, the New York Times has so many resources that we can sometimes open source investigation stops because we cannot find anything else anymore out in the open web. You will need to talk to people. You will need to go to a location. And the great thing is that we sometimes can combine the open source investigative efforts with traditional reporting efforts. And um, I'm really excited about it because when we started the conversation, I was telling you like, whoa, I would really like to do stuff that Jake, Simon, Aris, you know, Danny were doing. And now I have the opportunity to, to combine something I'm really passionate about, uh, open source investigation with, with traditional ways of reporting. And it's really exciting to see... Um, the um, trust we're getting here at the New York Times to experiment to um, and, and to investigate all different kinds of things here. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with you. I think that is completely the future. Combining um, ground reporting with open source research is just like, I think you can just make the best stuff doing that, you know. Uh, I think hopefully as well, like in the years to come, that people realize that and more money gets into it. You know, I think it's just, it's, it's got to be the way forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is an investigation I didn't work on personally, but uh, I, I do want to mention it's it's one of the team here. Uh, the team worked on, and it's uh, how an uh, oh sorry, how an Israeli soldier killed uh, Palestinian medic Ruzan Al Najjar, and mm, I know it's, about this, yeah. yeah, it's exactly what we uh, what what you just mentioned. It's combining social media evidence with traditional reporting and it's just so strong and so factual that you cannot obviously it's such a such a sensitive topic all the time israel palestine right but the thing is it's presented and it's investigated in such a factual and consistent manner that you cannot say anything else than this is this is what it is this is what it is and um we investigated we investigated the fatal shot of an israeli sniper that killed a medic and we want to know what happened and why it happened, right? That question of why here with traditional reporting then goes on. And this is, I think this is just really important. I think it's really important to take up any kind of thing where, where, where people are being killed. We will need to investigate it. And the more people that start doing it, the better. I agree. That, that was always, that's always been my kind of thing as like, 
you know, if someone over there is getting killed, then, you know, you need to do something there. You know, it needs to be investigated, definitely. Um, Christian, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? Um, well, I, <laughs> I must first just stress that uh, I'm really happy that you started uh, Popular Front Podcast because, I mean, as you say always, right, you're looking at the niche things of modern warfare. And I feel like, obviously, I mean, that, that's what I'm doing as well. And I'm, I'm really happy that, that we can see slightly but surely, I think, an interest from the mainstream into the niche things. Because eventually the niche sometimes is just so important to, um, to understand what's going on. Right, we need to look at the details of modern warfare. We need to look at the details of incidents if we want to understand the bigger picture. Um, and um, so, I'm happy that that you are uh, that you have taken up this on you, and 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 that that the follow the following you have is is growing because it shows that more yeah, people are interested in this. Yeah, no, th thank you very much. But I I think you're right, and I think the niche is always important. Like it's always the details and the nuances are not in, you know, oh, we're stood over here on this front line and we're doing a fucking, um, you know, piece to camera and not talking to anyone. Like that's never very important. You know, the only way that that is important is for BBC or whoever to say we're here. And it, it's not enough anymore. Anybody can be anywhere because of technology, because of phones. It's, you know, I, I think you're right. It's like the niche things what becomes really important you know and it, it can be the difference between this happened or this happened you know what i mean um christian where where can people get hold of you uh you know if they want to follow your work ask anything about uh, open source and also like you know you engage with your investigations like you said with quiz time and stuff you do a lot with the people are, are like in the in the twitter community as well so i think we would definitely should try and uh you know get hold of you no, absolutely. I actually wanted to say that as another thing, so thanks for bringing it up. Um, yeah, the easiest way to, to, to reach out to me is just via my, uh, my Twitter account. Um, I'm probably more on Twitter than, than anywhere else. Same, it's disgusting. I've got a fucking disease. Yeah, um, it's, it's T-R, so that's Tango, Romeo, uh, Bravo, Romeo, Tango, uh, Charlie, wow. That's the new Call of Duty game, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's T-R-B-R-T-C. That's my Twitter account. And, and you can DM me. You can, you can just tweet to me. And really, if think previous investigation from Bellingcat, reach out. But also the New York Times investigations, it's the same kind of principle. Just reach out, right? Do, do you see things? You have more questions. But especially, do you want us to investigate something reach out like really and if there is stuff we can help with right if, I, if there's something you, you want to ask me um if there's stuff you think is not right or you think uh especially even even the time should pay attention to or there's a video or a photo you think we should investigate or you want to investigate and you're wondering how just reach out because um like i said there have been some i was one of those persons reaching out years ago to elliot Right to other people online, and that has brought me where I am right now. And I see still around me other people on Twitter doing the same and being able to contribute to investigations and so on. So I really encourage that um, that willingness of people to investigate. Um, and if you have tips, whatever, yeah, yeah, reach out. Questions? Definitely. I think um, I think people should realize as well. We haven't mentioned perhaps how exciting open source research is. Now I, I didn't realize until oh like. I did some myself back in the day, but like last year, I really dug into something. So when I was doing that investigation into Atomwaffen Division, um, that you know militant neo-Nazi group in in the US have killed like five people, and there was one of their videos, and I was trying to work out where you know they were, and I was like, I know, and I read one of your pieces, and I read one of the guides, the the, the Bellingcat guides. So I was like, okay, so I looked at this video and there was this weird kind of concrete tower and then there's like a bit of graffiti on the, sprayed on the wall. And it wasn't the kind of thing that's just like, you know, fuck you or I was here. Like it was really specific. It was called like mad something, I forget now. Anyway, so I Googled the name of the graffiti and I found a guy who had an Instagram account with the same name as the graffiti. And then I looked on his Instagram account and he had similar images, like it was clearly from the same area. So I contacted him and said, look, I'm doing this investigation. 
I want to know where these guys were when they filmed this propaganda video. And I think you're the guy that spray painted this. And this guy's all the way in America. And he was like, fuck, yeah, how did you find me? Like, And it turned out, you know, it was the right guy. And he told me where it was. It was in this place called Concrete Washington. And it was just like, for me, fucking blew my hair back, you know. I was like, that is so exciting that I was able to do that just sat at home. You know what I mean? And it's, I don't know, I just think people should really understand it's it's so exciting and when you do it right like it's just ah oh, it's just cool man it's a very cool thing to do you know it's better than like wasting your time arguing with people on twitter or whatever you know and you can still do it from home you know oh absolutely man i i i love it like i i know this case of you of course and i i i, I just love it because it's, it's indeed that strength but also for other people it will seem like dude are you working for intelligence, Jake? Like, how the fuck did you find this, right? So, and, 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 and when you do that yourself, it's, it's, it's just really fun. Like, like what people have often said during workshop, it's like, wow, I'm, I, I feel like I'm some kind of like digital Sherlock Holmes. And it doesn't need to be, like I said, with all those serious cases. You know, I didn't even mention it. I have to mention it. When I started doing this, I was so excited about it. And I was like, how am I start doing this? So I, I on my Facebook, on my private Facebook, I wrote this message and I was like, hey, everyone, um, I want to train something that's called geolocation. It's really cool. Check it out on, uh, on Elliot Higgins blog or whatever. Right. And I was like, can people send me photos and I will figure out where they were taken. So a lot of my Facebook friends were just like posting pictures of like random locations they were. And I started geolocating all of it. And everybody's like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, how do you find where I am? And I'm like, yeah, this is so much fun. Like, I'm just using Google Earth and I saw this detail. And I so try it in that way, maybe even. Like, ask your friends and family members to uh, to send a photo and 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 and, um, and uh, they can challenge you and you can see if you can find it. It's a fun way to start. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you very much, Christian. Really appreciate getting you on. I know you're a very busy guy, man. It's a pleasure. Absolutely, man. Thanks a lot for having me. That was Christian Traber speaking about open source investigative work and the stuff he's been doing with Bellingcat, New York Times and others. I just want to say as well, Christian is by far one of the very nicest people you'll ever meet in journalism and, you know, there aren't many nice people to be honest. It's not genuinely nice. Um, so when he says, like, you know, hit him up if you have an idea or something, he really means it. So be sure to do that because, like he says, the teamwork aspect of open source investigation is is you know really important if you like what we're doing here at popular front and you want to see this keep moving forward please do consider supporting us go to patreon.com slash popular front for very little money you can get a lot more popular front there are bonus episodes you get the documentaries there first you get to be a part of all sorts of stuff there that you won't get anywhere else it's basically a subscription think about it like that you subscribe to popular front you get more and popular front gets to do more patreon.com slash popular front and if you don't like Patreon, which is fine, go to popularfront.co slash support. There are many different ways you can help us keep moving there. Um, and also, uh, I mentioned this recently, but I'll mention it on the podcast as well. Some people message me and say, oh, I don't have enough money, but I, I'm trying to support Like when I get some money. Absolutely, if you are not in a position to put your hands in your pockets, please, please don't. Do not feel obliged to do that. I, I definitely, I know what it's like when you're skinned. Please don't do that. What I, what I want to say is there are many different ways to support. Just keep telling people about it. Keep spreading it. Keep sharing stuff. This episode was sponsored by thedefensepost.com. Defense with an S. Check them out. They've got a lot going on there. A lot of articles all about the world in conflict. There's a lot there you won't really see in the news actually as well, which is quite good. Also, uh, it's not a sponsorship. I just want to say uh, shout out to Joey L, Joey Lawrence, the uh, photographer. You might remember him from episode three. He sent me a copy of his book where he's filming with uh, militant fighters from Kurdistan. Um, the book is fucking brilliant. Uh, go to wecamefromfire.com. I really advise you buy it. It's, it's just really, really good. He took so much fucking equipment out onto the front lines to get these incredible um, pictures. I don't know how he did it, to be honest seriously you have to check the book out it's really really good there's there's a lot of depth to it um and i'm glad he did this we came from fire.com also while we're promoting stuff that i think is good check out the bellingcat podcast it's really good man it's really really good go to bellingcat.com it will be on there somewhere or just search bellingcat podcast at the minute they're focused on the mh17 investigation where the 
Russians, it's looking like the Russians shot down um, a passenger plane over Ukraine. And the way they've done it is just really, really good. Yeah, definitely good. Check out Bellingcat Podcast. To keep up to date with Popular Front, follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Jake underscore Hanran, or follow the uh, Popular Front Twitter account, which is twitter.com slash Popular Front CO. If we have any Twitter employees listening, like I want to get twitter.com slash popular front just that now it's a banned account i don't know who the fuck had it someone had it before and it got banned now i like basically can you give it to me (laughs) like you know it will be better um let me know also keep up to date with us on instagram instagram.com slash popular dot front not sure how long we'll be left on there we've had um some Turkish nationalists and kind of hardcore Stalinist communist types mass reporting the page because, you know, crybabies, what are you going to do, you know? Um, but yeah, so we're on a few strikes, probably get taken down. Taken down for bullshit as well. Like we had a picture of um, al-Baghdadi, the, the ISIS leader, smoking a jewel, you know, like our friend on Popular Front Meter made it and it's him smoking a jewel pod. Um, because Jewel wanted to sponsor Popular Front and we were like, nah, fuck that, because they had to do with Philip Morris. Um, and then that got flagged and like taken down for hateful content, so we might be victim to the algorithms, but right now we're still around, so instagram.com slash popular.front and probably a week or less than a week after this episode comes out, we'll have a new documentary up on the YouTube, uh, it'll be called Raqqa Patrol, where I went on patrol with Arab members of the uh, Asais, the internal security forces, the SDF's internal security forces in Raqqa to see what the situation is there, um, see how they're included. These are young men and women from Raqqa, lived under ISIS and are now going around securing their city and making sure the ISIS sleeper cells can't get back in. So I think it's interesting um, and I'm glad that we got to do it. Uh, so go to youtube.com slash popular front. Oh yeah, something else I want to report, Um, I was in Syria with a journalist called Robert Evans and he has an audiobook out, so check that out, go to www.thewaroneveryone.com Thank you very much to the following people, without you none of this will be possible, this is really the backbone of the um, financial support popular front, so thank you very much to Anthony Kubarek, Adam Berg-Snyder, Axel Iverson, Brian McLaughlin, Callum Ross, Chad Walker, Dan Dunham, Daniel Shearer, Diana Gorvanek, Emiliano, Emily Molly, Fletcher Tate, Jack Mayhoff, James from the Discord, Joanne Stocker at the Defence Post, Joel Tambusi, Josh, K. Hardy Roberts, Kyle N. Payne, Lawrence Abrahams, fucking hell, I think Lawrence Abrahams has been here from week one. A um, lot of people here have been here for a long time. Thank you very much. LH as well. Um, Lika Madik, Margaret Bowling, Moody Al Rashid, Noah, Ari from the Discord, Patrick Bronte, Peter McCormack from What Bitcoin Did, Kubal, Russia Alakidi, Ryan Sandercock, Scarty Music, check him out, Scott Jonesy, Sebastian from the Discord, Sarushe Hawazi, Stephen Davila, Teddy. Tom Lochrin, Tony Bin, Vida Provost and Zachary Hinch. Thank you all very much for your support. Much appreciated. And like I said, if you do want to support Popular Front, keep it going. It's all grassroots. We don't have any corporate fucks funding this. It's all from the people, if you like. So go to patreon.com slash popular front. Music in this episode. The intro was by Home and the outro was by my good friend, Son of Old. Go to his SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash sun dash of dash old that's s-u-n-o-f-o-l-d sun of old 